Welcome back to our reading of James Patterson's Sunday at Tiffany's, chapter 14. My mother had done everything but physically throw her body in front of the door to keep me from moving out of her apartment and getting my own place after college. Move out? Nonsense. Why on earth would you want to move out? Raul is here. I'm here. Jane, sweetie, with me and Raul, the Chinese restaurant on Lexington, you have everything you could possibly want. Yes, mother. Everything but privacy, a life, and perhaps my sanity? You can't manage without me, Vivian insisted. Who will help you pick out your clothes, remind you to stick to your diet, help you with your practical, non-existent love life? Oh, which reminds me, my friend Tori gave me her cousin's number, and I really think you should call him. Apparently he's an ear surgeon and very successful. But Jane, sweetie. So that pretty much convinced me. As the movers were taking my... Benadir dresser out the door, Vivian had admitted a partial and only partial defeat. We'll try it for a few months, Jane, sweetie, and when it doesn't work out, you can sublet it and come back. No matter how much I wanted to come to hate my new digs, I would not be moving back. Not even if I cried myself to sleep in my lonely pillow every night. It would still be my pillow in my apartment, and no one would be walking in on me, asking me which earring went with, with with that outfit. Vivian had then decided to make the best of it in her own way. When I was away on a two-week business trip, she had completely redecorated my new place. I came back to my private little haven to find my bedroom, living room, were white on white, just like hers. The kitchen which I used exclusively for heat, heating takeout food, was equipped like a restaurant. Professional stove, warming ovens, two dishwashers, the glass door, sub-zero refrigerator with the pretty display lights. There was a lone container of fat-free yogurt showing through the glass. I'd been too overwhelmed to undecorate or redecorate the redecoration, but I had managed to add my... own touch a photo of my mother my father and me when i was very small we were in greece standing at the foot of the parthenon and we were actually smiling had we ever really been that happy as a family even for that one day even for an instant i like to believe that we were so i hung the photograph in the front hall my mother had spotted it immediately on her next visit she sniffed and said, If I give you one of my lesser Picasso drawings, would you consider replacing that sentimental trash? Every time I came home and looked at that photo, I smiled, but not tonight. A little tight from drinks at Babu's. Hurt because of Hugh's continuing thoughtlessness and guilty about eating too much, I switched on the hallway light and looked at the happy family at the Parthian, but to some, for, but for some reason, it didn't make me feel any better. The answer machine in my bedroom told me I had three new messages. I pressed the play button. Come on, Hugh, redeem yourself. Tell me you're in the hospital. Cheer me up. Jane, sweetie, where on earth are you? You, are you listening? There, listening. Pick up, darling. Come on, pick up. I just had the most brilliant thought. 
I pressed erased and moved on to the next message. This is a reminder from The Week magazine, your complimentary six-month subscription, Erase Again. One last message. It was my old college roommate. Jane, it's Colleen. Are you sitting? I sat on the edge of my bed and eased my shoes off. Okay, here's the rather unexpected news. I'm getting married. After Dwight and I divorced, I thought I would never meet anybody else or want to. But Ben is great, honestly. Cross my heart. Wait till you meet him. Never been married. Works as a lawyer here in Chicago. The wedding is September 12th. You have to be a bridesmaid. I'll try you again tomorrow. Hope everything's going okay with you, too. I love you, Jane. Oh, yeah. I'm writing short stories again, too. Yippee! Hope you're well. I was happy for Colleen. I really was. All she'd ever wanted was to write fiction and raise a family. And now she was getting another chance at both. Yippee, indeed. I was happy for her. Really, mostly... I walked into the bathroom and took off my eyeshadow and mascara with those little non-oily, hyperallergenic eye pants. I washed my face with Caswell Massey's almond soap, if that was good enough for Jackie Kennedy. My mother told me it's good enough for you. Then I climbed into bed and clicked on my laptop. I began making contract notes for my movie. I would form, forward them to Vivian's attorney tonight, and then he would draft a formal legal proposal to send to Carl Friedkin. An hour later, I shut off the computer. I was too tired to think straight and hoped the notes made sense. Getting out of bed, I padded through the quiet apartment. In the kitchen, I poured myself a glass of water that my mother had shipped over from Sweden. I took several virtuous sips, but already my fingers were tingling with longing. I put the water down. Jane, be strong. I looked at the cabinet doors, the ones beneath the farmhouse slab sink. I reached my hand out. Don't go there, Jane. Don't do this. I opened the cabinet under the kitchen sink. You are now officially staring into the abyss. Step away. It's not too late. I knelt, and since I was getting ready to worship, it was appropriate. Behind the Brillo pads, behind the Windex, behind the soft scrub, I took out my secret box of Oreos. Written on the box was for emergency use only. This means you. I felt that tonight qualified. A four Oreo slowly, relishing every bite, every perfect combination of crunchy, chocolatey goodness mixed with sweet, creamy filling. My ritual complete, I headed back to bed with two more Oreos in my hand. The extra Oreos were gone before I hit the pillow. Thank you for joining me for chapter 14. Bye.